Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thank you for tuning in to the JMU Sports News Podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin. I'm joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you during what you've described to me today as a dark period for JMU Sports? <laughs> well, when you look ahead, I don't mean to be um, rash by any means, but basketball um, isn't great. I mean, they're good. They're average. They're a slightly lucky team. We'll get into some more talk about that and how Ken Palm rates them and, and everything like that. Women's basketball, they're currently winning as we record this against a bad UNCW team, but they're not living up to expectations. And then you look at across kind of the landscape. Um, we're going to talk about all the highs from 2021, and that, that, that includes softball's run in the Women's College World Series, but they lost a lot of their key players. And yeah, they're ranked to start the season, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And then you look ahead to Sunbelt football, where Jamie's going to be playing a full FBS schedule in 2022. And I'm just a little sad. So I think we should start this episode with looking back at 2021, all the highs and kind of some of the lows that 2021 brought us. And then we'll break down into some men's basketball. We'll talk a little women's basketball. But first up, First thing of 2021, it was football season take one. Yeah, so we got, I don't remember the exact number now, we got two football seasons in 2021, technically, right, with the calendar year. So that was pretty darn cool. And uh, they were not all that impressive to start off the 2021 football year where they they looked pretty rocky, to be honest with you. In a lot of those early games, uh, there was quarterback controversy um, and then a COVID outbreak that actually seemed to benefit, weirdly enough, Cole Johnson. Because they had the Moorhead State game, which wasn't really a game in February. And everything just kind of felt weird. Like, I think I was covering UVA baseball while they played that game. Like, none of it felt, felt <laughs> I was, cor- correct. That was five days before my birthday. And I was at an Airbnb watching it as it's, like, mm-hmm. heavily snowy outside. Yeah. I'm just like, what's going on? Happy belated birthday. 11 months late. Want to make sure we get that in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of birthdays, you know who it is today? I don't. Brian's. Yeah, Brian Reese, one of our <laughs> most loyal. Wished him a happy birthday. One of our. <laughs> I thought it was a, a different Jamie. You can actually like a coach or something that I had missed. Yeah, it's it's his birthday, Brian. 
I'm sure you're listening. Uh, I think he's celebrating in New Orleans. I imagine he's taking time out of his New Orleans trip this weekend to listen to the pod. Um, so assuming he is, <laughs> happy birthday to him. Very cool. And yeah, but they opened with the Morehead State game, not much of a game. Then the Robert Morris game was actually kind of a scare. And we were like, guys, don't worry. Robert Morris is a really good football team. Turned out they weren't really a good football team. But they, they that struggled. That was probably our myth. I remember we were like, they're going to win the Big South or whatever they were in. <laughs> I don't think they won a game that year. They only played like three or four. But um, And then they, they played Elon. They almost lost the game. Gage Maloney comes in, leads a comeback, was going to be the starting quarterback. Then they had a COVID outbreak. Cole Johnson played well against William & Mary three weeks later. And the rest was kind of history as far as Cole Johnson, who now is preparing like for NFL draft preparations. Yeah, I mean, what a year it was. And then they destroyed – well, score doesn't really show it, but they essentially destroyed VMI in the weird FCS playoffs, destroyed North Dakota. And then for three – for of the 60 minutes, for 54 of them, they destroyed Sam Houston State, but they ended up losing that one in the semifinals. It was a weird choke in the last, like, you know, weird stretch of the game there. So that was a tough one. That's – it got to be one of the major lows, I think, of at least for football of 2021 was definitely that game. I guess you could point to like the early season where they didn't look right, but the way they were playing, I feel like 2021 spring was a massive missed opportunity uh, for JMU. I think that's like, you can look at, at this year as being a national title run. I thought that was a year that they really squandered. If you win that one, you get into the uh, national title against like a South Dakota state team. That's, was playing decent, but maybe not the best in the world. They obviously had an injury that hurt them. I think they would have won the national title if their starting quarterback had stayed healthy against Sam Houston. But that felt like a, a year with North Dakota State being as down as it was that Jamie probably should have won the national title. Yeah, agreed. But that sadness wasn't all that long-lived because just what the football season ended when? I want to say, did it end in, it might've been April when they lost. I think the actual national championship was in, was in May. I will quickly confirm. Yeah. So no, sorry. They actually lost in May. So they played Sam Houston in May and I don't think they had, we're used to that gap. I guess they got rid of that gap. You know how there's like that yeah. three week gap. I don't think they, they had that in the spring. I think they like just went to the national title. Um, so where I was going with that is they finished football season in May and then May 21st, JMU's in the women's college, not women's college world series, but the, the postseason at the yeah, NCAA the, uh... Knoxville regional taking on Liberty in Tennessee. And they absolutely obliterated their uh, competition in that regional. Then they went to Columbia to take on Mizzou in the super regional. And that was exciting. But I think what we really wanted to talk about was the women's college world series. I mean, we can talk about Liberty in Tennessee and Missouri a little bit, but man, well, that- you're uh, you're giving them a, a positive spin here for sure. They, it was a it was a battle to get out of that Knoxville regional. Um, like no, I thought they were going to lose the first I'm, game. I'm I know they I thought they were losing the first, <laughs> second, and at times the third game. Like we're being honest, but you got to spin it positive. We just talked about all the lows from football. I got to talk about the highs that this brought us. But it was unbelievable. Like the battle through the Knoxville regional, and I think fair to say when you're playing. Every game was either a neutral site or on the road, and you go three and oh, two against Liberty, one against Tennessee to advance out of that regional. There is an element of like obliterating, right? Because they had the kind of the, the cards stacked against them. I think they were the three seed out of the four in that region, um, which was just a horrible um, <laughs> judgment by the NCAA selection committee. Although they kind of got 
I don't want to, I don't know if screwed is the right way to describe it, but because of COVID, their schedule, they really didn't play anybody, right? So they're going yeah. into to that event without having played like quality teams. And they we had knew a conference how, loss, which destroys your RPI. Exactly. So we knew how good they were, but the metrics didn't necessarily show that. And then the Missouri one was crazy because they battle out for that that first win. They got smoked in the second it, game. Like that game was the not. Second game, <laughs> I I remember I was texting some people and I was like, okay, it was a good season. Like I really I had completely written the team off after losing seven one in the second game of the Columbia Regional Super Regional. Excuse me. Yeah, then a huge rally to to win the third game. They won that one seven to two, and they get into the Women's College World Series, which kind of felt like from a fan perspective, like they did it. Like that's the goal. You just make it to Oklahoma city. It's the same with like college baseball. There's something to be said for like, you make it to Omaha, like you've had a great season and they played number one, Oklahoma in the first game. And I thought they were going to get just murdered. Like I, I was thinking run rule, to be honest with you. I thought it had a chance to be very, very bad. And they won the game. They won the game in eight innings, four to three. Wasn't there a, a fan? I know. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil what happens in Oklahoma State, but wasn't there a fantastic play in that game too? In the Oklahoma game, I don't remember if what there was like in the field. I know the at bats were pretty huge. So you had Jubas hit the three run homer, um, and you're going to be able to see her this year, but not in a JMU uniform, which pains me. We'll probably get to that later. Uh, but she hit a three run home run in the third, put them up three nothing, and then Oklahoma answered. So it was three to three after three. No one else scores until the eighth when Kate Gordon hits the what ends up being the game-winning home run. But for Odyssey to slow them down, I think we had looked at it and it was like that was their lowest scoring output of the season for Oklahoma was three. They had beaten up, and I forget the exact one, they were beaten up on national teams. Like Oklahoma at one point during the season played. I think it was Puerto Rico. They did something. Well, I guess that wouldn't really be a national team, but, but they <laughs> maybe it was Mexico. <laughs> they, they played some national team and like smoked them. And, like, they killed everyone they played, or at least for the most part. They scored a ton of runs. So if they did lose, it was typically, like, this high-scoring thing. So for Odyssey to do what she did was was really special. Yeah, and then what she did against Oklahoma State. So they come to the Women's College World Series, and you are just, as a fan, thankful that they got there. You just – they finally get there. They break through the barrier. They make it to Oklahoma city. And then they take down the number one team in the country. And then they take on the number five team in the country, another Oklahoma team, Oklahoma state. And they win that one two to one. Thanks to Odyssey Alexander's not pitching heroics, but her fielding heroics. And I mean, this place still, you, you see it on Twitter every few weeks, maybe because we post it every few weeks, but I feel like other people are also posting it. And it's absolutely an insane play where the I think it was a bunt or a, a slap or something, a slow roller to the mound. Odyssey fields it, and instead of pushing it to the catcher because she knows it won't get there in time, she makes the diving lunge to get the out at home plate to secure the two-one win. Yeah, I mean it was it was unbelievable what happened, right? So it's like uh, I think it was a bunt, but like you're saying, it's a little slow roller. Someone's at third and is running home for what would have been the tying run. Uh, I think bottom of the seventh, right? So it's like game on the line everything yeah. there or, or at least the seven she grabs the ball and the glove lays out and holds on to it through the contact to secure the out uh, i think her elbow was bleeding after like when she did the post game interview because of the dive and everything it's probably well it's not probably it is by far i don't think it's all that close the best like jmu athletic play that i've seen since covering i think it's maybe the best like in the history of jmu sports is at least up there i would argue 
not even argue. It is the best play, the best sporting event, sporting thing to happen in the calendar 2021 year. Yeah. And then to, to further that out, it, I think the moment, what happened, everything with it, that was the best play in JMU history. Yeah, it was, like, it was, I don't think that's crazy to say. I don't think that's crazy to say. I don't think so either. That was crazy to watch. And then it almost it changes that game because they do end up winning. Changes your perception where you're like, wait a second, like, <laughs> could they win the national title? What they only need one more game to win, right? I, at that point, if they won one more, they would have gotten into the final series. They would have gotten okay. into the the series that they needed. Um, but they had to go through Oklahoma again. They end up playing them twice and losing both. But again, I mean, the farthest the program's ever gone. Um, unbelievable. Like, obviously, Alexander was a star. Like, their final game, they lose, and she gets a standing ovation from not just JMU fans, but, like, literally everyone in the stadium, including Oklahoma fans, who have seen clearly tremendous softball. I looked it up, too. They played Team Mexico three times. They had a two-to-one win. The other two were, like, blowout wins over Team Mexico. So, like, for JMU to win, uh, unbelievable. And just an incredible season, incredible year. And, honestly, Alexander... I think going in, I had said, like, nobody can really compete with Megan Good as, like, the the goat of JMU softball. I mean, Odyssey's kind of got the case because of what she did in, in Oklahoma City, that she's the best ever, ever play JMU softball. She's the best ever play JMU softball, and then she's the the athlete of the year for JMU sports. The JMU yeah. sports news athlete of the year is Odyssey Alexander. And then moving on from softball, you go to the runner-up of the 2021 athlete of the year. Colt Johnson has – takes football who's coming off of the heartbreaking loss to Sam Houston, the ups and downs, the QB controversy, Gage Maloney enters the transfer portal. He's no longer with the team. It's Billy Atkins backing up Cole Johnson. And then they go out and they run through the FCS for the most part. Well, not for the most part, they run through the FCS until they get to North Dakota state in the Fargo dome. They're really good. Obviously had that blip against Villanova, but not, I don't know, not like a, I, I block that game out so much like i forget that it <laughs> happens wow wow not a terrible loss by any means one they definitely could have won but they were really really solid throughout the fcs season um disappointing the way it ended of course where they were horrible in the first half against north Dakota state and ended up coming up just short on the road in that game but another good season like i think it's it's easy to be excited about jamie football especially with the the major news of 2021 obviously kind of an off the field thing uh, that the athletic programs are going to the Sun Belt, which we might talk about um, a little later in terms of the logistics of when they move. But that's also a key storyline, right? It's just the future seems brighter now that they're leaving a conference that I don't think anyone's excited about. Yeah. Unless you're maybe if you're Monmouth or Stony Brook or. <laughs> I, I, I even think Monmouth isn't excited about moving to CPA. <laughs> Because yeah. now they had a bit of secured playoff spot almost every year in the Big South, and now they're going to the CA where they actually have to compete. Um, yeah. Besides that, another big event, and then we'll get into some of the conference championships that Jamie won, and it was quite a bit. The upset of UVA. I know it's a down year for UVA. It's an NIT team, if that. They're just not very good. But it was the first time JMU ever beat UVA in program history, and I think it was the first time they ever beat an ACC school in in program history, at least or, or at least in like the last twenty something years. Yeah, heck of a win for the men's basketball team, and and maybe amplified or definitely amplified by the fact that it was at home, right? That UVA was willing to travel <laughs> to the the 100% Atlantic. <laughs> amplified, no doubt. Like that's why this game was so great. Exactly, the Atlantic Union Bank Center. We were there. 
happy birthday, Brian, he was there. Um, so that was a really cool experience storming the court. Um, and, and just having, you know, 8,000 people in that building for a basketball team that appears to be competent. And I think that was just a signal that they're competent, which was huge, right? That's the, after the, the row era, that's really actually a huge thing of 2021 is like, okay, the basketball team is essentially back to where it was with Brady. And yeah. now it has a chance to, to take another step, hopefully moving forward. Um, that signaled it, but it's going to be really interesting looking ahead a little bit to 2022 and beyond how people talk about like the transfer portal and how that affects uh, college football, but like college basketball, the team that Byington had in, I guess, 2020 to 2021 compared to this 2021, 22 team, it's like an entirely different roster. And, and I think we'll see that not to get a big, too big picture here, but I think looking at the transfer portal, especially in college basketball, I think we're going to see it a lot in mid majors where you're not necessarily going to have the same continuity from year to year. Like they're really going to attack the transfer portals and they're going to probably also then get a guy for who, maybe a five-star or four-star recruit who goes to a big name power six school, doesn't get the minutes he wants, transfers to a mid-major, gets the minutes he wants, shows out and then transfers again. I think we're going to start seeing that a lot. Totally agree. It's also interesting too, like if Byington ever gets another job, you could have this team that's like an NCAA tournament team with people set to return and the coach leaves and you could have, you know, an entirely. Well, I mean, that's what happened when Roe left. You lost Banks. You lost Parker. You lost. Dwight uh, Wilson. Dwight Wilson. You lost. Greg Jones transferred before that, I believe. And then were some of the, some of the other losses, do they wait a year under Byington? Is that right? So Christmas was there for a year. Christmas was there for a year. I think that was the only transfer that left this year, right? I think there might have been. Other another. than. Um, they were, he was probably the number one impact guy the guy we all predicted we all me and you predicted to be player. oh joel mensa <laughs> we nailed that yeah, one bro. i don't know what happened to him. he's gone we nailed that one <laughs> for sure and for sure. women's basketball kiki jefferson while they might be a little bit of a down year in 2021 2022 kiki jefferson continues to be an absolute stud in the caa and it's just yeah. fun being like watching that line of secession go from Precious Hall to Kamaya to Kiki and then even Jasmine Gwathme before that and Kirby Buckholder and I mean all the greats that have come through Jamie women's basketball it's really nice to see that line continue to go and Kiki is a straight baller yeah and I think you actually talked to people can probably find that way in the archives I think you talked to Kamaya on a podcast about that line of of players I did yeah that's back in our archives on the podcast but it's probably easier to find on our YouTube um our YouTube yeah. channel, Jamie Sports News, because it's one of the only videos up there. But that was there a great conversation. I was talking about the team last year and, and the traje- trajectory and Coach O, what he's done with the program. Maybe that was the highlight of – I think that was actually in 2022, that conversation. Or 2020. Yeah, it, it might have been. And one last basketball-related thing that it's um, easy to forget, I think, when you look at the year in review, is that the, um, the basketball tournament, TBT, uh, oh that yeah, a, that event that has you know a lot of alumni teams and different teams of people that that get together and they form a team of like ten ish people with a, a GM and all that stuff. Um, they play in that tournament, the winner making like two million dollars, the winning team. They split it amongst themselves. Kind of grown into a thing because ESPN's given it a bit of a platform. JMU has tried for a very long time to get a team in that. Um, it took them a while. They weren't able to get it, and then finally this past summer they were in it. 
I actually played a really thrilling game against a, I think was it overseas elite that they played? It was the it was one of the best. It was like the best team in TBT because James yeah. used the 15 seed and they were the one. Yeah, so I mean that was it was they a, a some UMBC energy. Heck of a battle. They ended up losing. They do like the uh, what the Elam ending. Um, it was sideline cancer who they played, um, which is one of the best teams like historically. Um, yeah, so they had that that game that went down to the wire. They had chances late, like like they had gotten a bucket on a couple of those possessions. They would have won. Uh, but came up a little bit short, but really cool. And I think that's one that it sounds like since they got in, there was decent fan engagement. They might be able to do that consistently, which I think would be cool. Um, and there are probably some guys, especially now that the program seems back to a, maybe a higher level of play that in future seasons would be willing to join and, and play in that. So an interesting basketball one that's probably worth, worth noting. Great point. And that was another conversation, an interview you did that lives on our YouTube page. It does. You did it with, um, I can't pronounce his We last had name. Uh, Joe Kirkendall and then Dimitri Chabarkaba. Yeah, two um, last names that are very hard to pronounce. Yes. Chabarkaba played, <laughs> and then Joe kind of handled some of those GM duties. He uh, also has a job within the UVA athletic department, so we did it on the side. And then moving from basketball, I think we need to talk about all the conference championships won. Women's yeah. tennis won their second straight or third straight? I want to say they've three-peated now, but that I also, sorry, there's so much winning at JMU that it could have been the swimming and dive might have three-peated. I think they four-peated. Okay, well, there you go. You got a lot of <laughs> a lot of consecutive wins. Let's see if I can find the exact, exact winners here. Yeah, I was going to look it up, but since since Coach Shelley, Shelley Jordan, I probably just complete, I'm going to stop trying to pronounce last names. Last we should names, get, we need to get uh, Dom in here. Send him a quick we, text. We need to get Dom to <laughs> pronounce all these names for us because I'm really bad at them. But Coach Shelley, I'm just going to say that. I know how sure. to say Shelley. Um, has Impressive. taken over the program. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Took over the program in 2018 and um, has just absolutely turned them into a powerhouse. They, they destroy the CAA now. They're the best, one of the best, if not the best, women's tennis programs in the CAA and excited to see what their next steps are going to be. Um, with the Sun Belt move, looks like they've won two of the last three, if I'm looking at the correct thing. But I don't think they've won consecutive. But it had gone a long time for them. I don't know if they'd ever won one actually until they they won the first one. Yeah, William and Mary had like destroyed the CAA for years. And yes, she came in and just absolutely. I should yeah, add they a. Won, they won in 2020, 2021. I should add a qualifier. They've they are consecutive champions because 2020 was the COVID year, so they didn't actually have a conference title. Okay, perfect. So we figured that out. Figured that out. We um, did. And then it is a four P for swim and dive. You're right. Yeah, four P for swim and dive just absolutely obliterates the competition every year. Just insane stuff. And I did a profile on uh, the dive team back when I worked for JMU Athletics. Um, don't know where you could even find that. And that was like 28. That was long ago. <laughs> Great plug. But um, <laughs> mainly I'm just saying it to, I talked with a lot of the coaching staff during that and they're built. And I know built different gets thrown around a lot and it's like kind of a joke now, but they're just so good. Yeah. As you can see, I really know what I'm talking about when it's swim and dive and they put the best person on to write that article. Really didn't know, but yeah, they've won 2018, 19, 20, 21. And before the four feet, they hadn't won since 2012. And before 2012, they hadn't won since 2001. So they've come in and 
the coaching staff has absolutely turned the program around and has turned them into CAA. And like I said, for tennis, excited to see their next steps in the Sun Belt. Or 100%. If it's the Sun Belt. 100%. We have a couple other ones, right? Lacrosse grabbed one. And then, of course, the women's golf team built a little bit of a juggernaut with some of those youngsters. They picked up their first conference title since 2012-13. Um, so that was really impressive by them. And yeah, lacrosse, I feel like is, is kind of on the upswing again, um, where they won the national title. And then I don't want to say really dipped down because that's not entirely true, but they definitely seem like they're, they're poised to get back into that, like, you know, final four kind of conversation here in the next couple of years. 100%. Volleyball did some good stuff in 2021. I don't think they won a conference title though, but did good stuff. Baseball has chased water on the team, uh, which I think is worth noting. That's going to be a 2022 high point if they can actually do number one prospect in the nation in college, the number one collegiate prospect, and they're not going to make the CAA tournament. I think they're going to win the, the whole thing. You are. You, you, you think that? I think they're going to Omaha. Really? And we'll be there. We'll be live on. Uh, if they go to Omaha, I will go and eat that's a fair. on live stream <laughs> if they make it to Omaha. Okay, clip that. <laughs> okay, I will gladly. You actually should. I want to see that. I want to see player reaction. Do you <laughs> <laughs> it just at the whole team? If they make it to <laughs> Omaha, I will. I don't know. I would. I'd swim in Newman Lake and then get on a flight to Omaha and then eat a sock. I'd love that for you. <laughs> Do we talk uh, men's soccer too? I think they probably had what NCAA tournament appearance in the spring. I think. Um, when they ended up doing that in the spring, I don't, yeah. I don't believe they won the the title yeah. though. Yeah. Okay. The whole, this whole COVID thing, this whole COVID thing, like that just sounds weird to say 2021 is just so meshed in my mind with 2020. Oh, actually they, they did win the spring spring conference title. Thank you. Thank you for checking on that. It was in PKs. They had a, a massive PK semifinal win and then a, the dramatic one in the finals. Uh, name something more iconic, Jamie men's soccer and PKs. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to remember some of these. So I'm sure we're missing some stuff because we also waited until the 21st of January to do our <laughs> year in review. Yeah, uh, but we we cranked it out and uh, we got to look ahead a little bit. We got to do a couple of storylines we're looking forward to, I think. Yeah, before we do that, I just want to say, yes. if we did miss anything, let us know on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Let yeah. us know, be nice to us. Don't be too mean, but um, let us know if we got anything wrong. Field hockey came extraordinarily close to winning some conference titles. They're another program that's back on the up and up. Okay, now what's what's our look ahead on 2022? All right, we both got to do, I feel like we got to do something. Um, Let's do, we don't want to completely remove negativity from the podcast. So let's do something we're most maybe worried (laughs) or concerned about, which I think is a kind of a fun one, actually. And then we'll do most excited. And then let's do one. I imagine the majority of our listeners, like Jamie fans are pretty good, but the majority of the listeners care mostly about like football, basketball, all that stuff. So let's do one that's like an Olympic sport and just a storyline within those that we're interested in in following. So first off, negativity. Let's start with the negativity. Let's start negative. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to steal yours on accident or we might have the same one. Okay, go. Actually, no. What are, what's yours? Because I, I have okay. two in my head. So, I'll like, I guess you don't do. for me, the most worried or concerned, the, the obvious one that hits me a little bit is like baseball, 
But the the real thing for me is that the Sun Belt basketball is not going to move the needle for me. That's the one that really worries me because um, I think the basketball programs are moving in the right direction. I want those almost as much as football. I'd love those to be like consistently great atmospheres with meaningful like regular season games if they could get them, um, even in the conference, right? I want some of those conference rivalries and stuff. And I definitely have some concern that it, the Sun Belt's not really going to be it, aside from like Marshall and ODU. Like, is there something else that App State, I guess, maybe a little bit, that feels more football-y. But maybe, maybe it develops in basketball too. And hopefully there's enough there. But I will say I'm actually kind of worried because I, uh, it's one that like you saw them, men's basketball beat UVA. We saw that atmosphere. And like, I just want more of those like incredible atmospheres. I feel like if the team is good, regardless, it's going to have good atmosphere. Like, look at Murray State. The Ohio Valley isn't a good conference by any means. It's led by Murray State, and yet there's still fantastic atmospheres there. You know what I mean? I'll be honest with you. I I couldn't tell you what a Murray State atmosphere is. I'm going to take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Just the the very few games. Maybe it's because the games I see are the ones that are, like, on ESPNU or, like, big ones, yeah. Plus. So maybe that plays into it. I just feel like Murray State is always a good team, and even though their conference is bad. I mean, look at Gonzaga. Gonzaga brought up the WCC. Like, how do you think the WCC rebrands every five years? It's because of Gonzaga's money they're bringing in with all their conference wins. So I, what, what I'm saying is, I think it, first got to worry about JNU being good, and then we just win games. Conference. Like, it, at this point, they weren't going to join a two-bid league. So it doesn't Fair. matter if they're going from <laughs> one bid to a one bid. But technically, the yeah, Sun Belt is a worse conference in basketball than the CAAs right now. You've helped my worries a little bit, especially because I I watched like when they played UNCW. I can't I can't lie to you and say there was like emotional attachment to yeah. the matchup against UNCW. <laughs> I think that I, I think I'd have more attachment watching them play Georgia Southern. This is fair. All right. All right. I'm less worried now. Although I, I will say I have some concern. <laughs> I'm glad you brought – so mine was going to be Diamond Dukes in general. They have the number one prospect in the nation, um, and they're probably not going to do well. Like, I don't mean to be rude and mean to that team, but, like, just historically speaking, they haven't gotten any better, and they've had three MLB pitchers on their staff at once. Now they have the number one prospect, but how much difference is he going to make? I worry about softball because they lost all of their key contributors. Uh it's a younger team, so I'm going to be really interested to see how they step up. However, I'm going to say football and the Sun Belt move. I really – and not so much about the product on the field. I worry about the fans' reaction to losing six games next season. This is my favorite take for so many reasons. One, I think it's a valid concern. And two, people, every time you say that they're going to lose more than three games, get so upset. So I like that too. And uh, the other one that's interesting, and I guess we can, maybe we'll talk about it now, maybe we'll talk about it later, where I think we'll learn more in the next week. So maybe we just talk about it next week. Um, But kind of unclear now, a little murkier if they're going to play Sunbelt teams next year. And also murky with what CUSA is doing. Yeah, I think that would be almost contingent on that all working out. So I think you would need both sides to like be all good and to be able to move into the Sunbelt and play those games essentially next year. But Conference USA was like, we expect you to honor your obligation <laughs> so essentially if that if the conference usa hold deal falls through jamie's just like a lame duck next year in football right yeah i don't think they're losing six games because they might just play like uconn four times or something <laughs> they'll play uconn umass in a home and home both at home and home in the same year 
and they'll play uh they'll probably play sam houston jacksonville i don't know we'll see what happens with it but it seems i'm getting a little bit terrified yeah same um so not only are they going to lose a lot of games well not if the, not if the whole thing falls through and they're playing fcs schools again i don't know you don't believe in the you don't believe in the offense no, I have, I have full to... faith in the offense. I don't have faith in an FBS offense. This will be interesting to see. Fascinated to watch this development. I'll say that. You got Signetti moving to the FBS as a head coach, which I think is interesting. You got the the offense without Antoine Wells. I still think it would be good, but uh, that's also like a sneaky storyline of 2021. Antoine Wells being as great as he was and then also transferring. He did all of that in 2021. Oh man, maybe yeah, he did. And or maybe he made the his... thing about here's the thing: if you look at Antoine Wells's production too, weeks one through four or one through three, whenever they played Weber, the offense was electric. And I know they were beating up on bad teams, but it was an electric offense. And then he got injured in that Weber State game, and the offense didn't crater, but it definitely declined. And then when he got healthy again in the playoffs, what happened? The offense took off and was absurdly productive again. It's gonna be. That, that was something that wasn't talked about a lot throughout the season. And now that he's not there, can the offensive line make running holes? Because they couldn't this year. And that's going to be key. Signetti has never had a really disappointing semifinal loss without Wells in the roster. So is he going to be able to get JMU to college football playoff <laughs> and lead them to a really disappointing loss <laughs> without him or no? <laughs> All right. That's my question. There's my worry. What was your uh, what was the second question after worries? We did okay, so it was worry and then like an Olympic sport, or I guess you could say let's just say non football, non football storyline uh, that kind of interests you. Non football or basketball storyline. Okay, sure. Ooh, this is a good one. You know, I touched on it about softball. I think that's the storyline I'm most interested in coming into this year. They lost Odyssey. They lost Jubis. They lost Gordon. They lost. I don't think. Like Niokis. Niokis. I'm scrolling through their roster now to see who's. Michelle Sullivan. I think Michelle Sullivan actually is a Duke. Um, So they'll see her. I believe they're scheduled this year. They'll see her at some point. Um, I don't think they have UNC, so they won't see. Won't see Jubis. Um, UNC, I think, has a chance to – the ACC overall has a chance to surprise some people. They got some good softball over there. JMU playing ACC softball would be so much fun. Not to get ahead of myself because I think the Sun Belt would be good, but, like, gosh, that would be cool. I think Logan Newton's gone too. Yep. I think she might have I – don't, I don't know that she transferred. I think she just, like – I think she graduated because yeah. she's a redshirt junior. Yeah. Um, so That's, I like, mean, the first, like, six of the lineup. Yeah, they, they lost a lot, so it's going to be interesting. And I'm not doubting what they can, you know, add back, but there might be some growing pains with this with this team. Um, Alyssa Humphrey showed that she's a darn mm-hmm. good pitcher. She pitched a few important innings, I think, against Missouri. So that they have experience, but they just don't have the same type of experience that they had for the last two seasons. Um, so it's kind of like a reset, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they play with that reset. They're so young. That's a, <laughs> like yeah, think like when you roll through the roster, it's a bunch off. of JMU logos instead of faces because they're all freshmen. They haven't taken headshots. <laughs> so so it's, it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, you're right. They got a couple people that have, like, gone through it a little bit. 
but outside of a, a few people, they've got, you know, almost an entirely new team. And the dynamic I think is interesting with Lauren Laporte is like, how do you get them to appreciate what the program has accomplished and like take that if they're involved in the team, like those learning experiences with also having that like hunger and realizing like, Oh, this team hasn't accomplished anything technically. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a good one. What's yours? That's a really good one. I think mine to go on like the Olympic sport level, I'm interested to see baseball. Cause like you got DeLauder, like you better have a very good year or they're going to make a coaching change. I don't think that's even like a surprise, right? That's like, they've extended Eikenberry with like these little one-year extensions. Yeah. And now you got Chase DeLauder who's like considered the best player in college baseball. Can you get into your conference tournament? Like, that seems like a bare minimum. They got to show something there. I think they're making a change. I think even if they make it and they bow out in the first round. They, I, think I think they might need to make like the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. Something like that. So we'll see what happens there. That's what I'm looking at. The other one is just some of these like Olympic sports that have had success historically. I wonder if they can get back into the conference winning circle. Uh, so a field hockey, can they get back in the NCAA tournament? A volleyball, can they get back? Um, and then I also want to see uh, the soccer program, see what they do. So I guess I, I think field hockey is the big one that I'm keeping an eye on just because I think they, I mean, they won a national title in the past with the same head coach they currently have. They've been trending in the right direction. I'd love to see them be a team that can get back into like the top 15 nationally consistently. Um, and, and they're also one they're like, they won't be in the Sun Belt, right? That's, that's a storyline too, that maybe is better than the one I just said, but the, the conference, the sports, <laughs> the sports lacrosse, and I want to say it's like swim and dive and field hockey don't have conferences when they go to the Sun Belt. So where are they going to go? A-10. Yeah, we'll see where they go. So that's, that's one to monitor. And I think along with that, I'm interested to see field hockey, wherever they go, can they get back to being like a national brand? Because I feel like they're close. I like it. I just want to say Jay Stilato last season, guess what he batted? 339. 386. Six home runs. 21 RBIs, two triples, six double, no, two triples, 12 doubles, 25 walks, 11 stolen bases, and he also pitched seven yeah. in the third inning. I think at that point, though, like, you, we need more out of him. Like, he's not doing enough. For, <laughs> for JMU to make it to Omaha, he's going to have to. Here's the thing, though. He's going to have to pitch a complete game and bat one through nine or one through eight. Yeah, he's going to have to – they're going to have to clone him, and he's going to have to pitch every day. He's going to have to blow out his arm. He might have to start pitching righty and lefty. (laughs) (laughs) He's a really good player, though. He is. Anything else you got to add? Oh, wait, I guess we got to talk quickly about basketball then. Yeah, do we want to – do we do most excited yet? We haven't even done our – What am I most excited for? Yeah. All the all the negativity we just talked about the Sun Belt move. I also am the most excited about the Sun Belt move. I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. For me, it's like whenever football is going to play, and I hope it's this year. I guess we'll see what actually happens. Maybe it'll end up being a 2023 look ahead. Whenever football plays Appalachian State and Old Dominion, those are like like circle the calendar, stop what you're doing, quit your job for the week, prep. The week tailgate take the week off <laughs> Jesus, and just get into it no but i'm excited for those by far i think those are matchups that matter and like um especially the team at the appalachian state like coastal carolina games could matter 
on like a G5 national level, which is cool because JMU's never really had that, right? JMU's played like the FCS semifinals and people who like really know football think it's cool. Nobody else cares. Nobody else thinks it's ha- knows it's happening. Like maybe they see it on like their betting app and they're like, are these real teams? But no nobody- gamblers hardly know what FCS football is. Yeah, so it's those like don't actually move the needle. Appalachian State playing JMU with one of the teams in the top 25 on like a Thursday night or something on ESPN actually moves the needle a small amount. So looking for those, forward to those games. That's definitely my most excited thing. And maybe some of the road trips uh, related to those. And you're in a pretty good spot for some of those potential road trips. I'm in a fantastic spot here in Charlotte. Boone's right there. Um, I think Mm -hmm. Georgia State and Southern are within like a – some hour radius which is very drivable yeah i'm excited for the away games where i can go and just hop on over and watch them 100 i think it could be a good year and uh next week i think it'll be a podcast dedicated to reacting to sunbelt news probably yeah hopefully there's actually news that comes out this week and the conference usa does good things yeah i think the uh i still think they have those meetings on the 25th or 26th next week which is uh, in a few days tuesday wednesday so we'll see what happens you know what else we need to see what happens? Mark Byington winning a national title. Yes. And how can they rebound from losing back-to-back games? First time they've lost back-to-back this season. Second home loss of the season. Um, second home conference loss of the season. And this one was in heartbreaking fashion. Jamie trailed by one at halftime. They build up a 12-point lead with like seven minutes or so left. They have a six-point lead with a minute and a half left. And then they lose by one to UNCW. And I know UNCW is undefeated in conference play, and people, Seahawk fans, are calling it a dream team and a dream season, and they have a new coach who's kind of turned them around a little bit, trying to bring them back to the Kevin Keats era. I don't care about any of that. UNCW is a bad team, and Jamie just lost to them. And they lost to Elon, a bad team. I will say that I like that we're like, oh, they lost two conference games in a row. Where in the past, it was like you had to wait for like months to, if they could win two conference games in a row under row. It was like, wow. Back to back conference. It was like, games. wow, they did it. They won back to back conference games. Yeah, his last season, they only beat UNCW. So they didn't win back to back conference games. They were what, like two and 16 in the league or something embarrassing? But losing UNCW stinks. This is not the Kevin Keats UNCW. I know they're playing pretty well right now, but they should have won the game. They had the lead did things well for, for stretches. It's also frustrating too, because they're playing really well before the COVID pause. And they, they were just up not. to, before the COVID pause, they were up to 167, 160 in Ken Palm. They're currently yeah. 203. Yeah. I mean, that's, they faded pretty hard after that Elon loss and then to lose at home against UNCW was tough, especially at the buzzer. That doesn't, that's not fun to watch, but uh, coming into it, they had been the fourth luckiest team, according to Ken Palm, which essentially means you've, you're winning a lot of close games that like statistically, like you should lose some of those when they're that close. And they have a bunch of games where they weren't that close or at least a blowout loss. They don't have many blowout wins over D1 teams. Um, yeah. So I guess eventually they were due for a buzzer beater loss or something like that to kind of nip them in the butt, but uh, hopefully they get better moving forward. I'm still excited about the team. But uh, I feel good about my take last time where I said they're not that good. Um, I do want to say, just to bring you back to earth on that take, you then texted immediately the next day. Just kidding. They're really good. <laughs> that's probably when they uh, – That's oh, it was the same day. We did it, didn't we do it before they blew out Northeastern, like the day? That was it, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, just kidding. They're good. 
they blew them out in the last three games have been underwhelming. The William Mary game where they almost lost that because they started so slow. Uh, then Elon smoked them. So they've got a long way to go, I think. Um, and I think that was kind of the point I was making is like Byington has brought them back to competence, but we're so used to the last few years of how bad they were that we're thrilled, but they're still not actually like an elite basketball team or like a top tier mid-major. They've got a long they're way to go. not even a top team in the CAA. Like looking no, at what they're not, the CAA yeah. has done this season, you have Towson, who's a top 100 Ken Palm team. They're 92. Towson's five and one in conference. UNCW is four and oh, like I said, they're 10 and five overall. They're not a good team by any means. It's kind of, I don't want to say luck because good job. You got to four and oh in conference, but they play Towson next and let's see how they play Towson. But then Delaware is also a solid team plus an adjusted efficiency plus from Hofstra plus by Drexel. The top of the CAA is pretty solid. And I mean, if Towson makes it in, or even if Hofstra makes it into the tournament, they might have a win in them. I agree with you. And uh, the other thing that is like kind of sad is that Towson has Cam Holden, who is playing exceptionally well. He's averaging 14 points and almost nine rebounds a game. He's shooting 35% from three and, and 48% from the floor. He can he gets some steals. He gets some assists. Where are you going with this? He wanted, like he literally told Shane Metlin that like JMU oh, was his number right. one as like and a then, transfer. And then his credits wouldn't transfer, right? I think it was something related to credits or, or whatever. So he ends up going to Towson and he's like, he's a legitimate CA player of the year candidate. Like if they had added him to some of the guys on this roster, it would have been uh, absolutely nuts. So that's disappointing, but maybe a good sign moving forward that I think some people are pretty excited to, to consider JMU. So I'm interested to see how the team develops over time and, and what happens moving forward. But I'm also, it's taken the life out of me that this team and the women's team can't play in the conference tournament because that would have drastically affected my excitement, right? If this and, is and right now, instead of talking about like what we're talking about, you're talking about adjustments you could make and, and how you fix it moving forward and, and what's to come in the conference tournament. Can they make a run in the conference tournament? And instead you were frozen there for a second. Yeah. I lost you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, it's, I'm probably just saying if, if the conference tournament was still on the table, our reactions right now would be vastly different. It's how do you improve? You still have time to get back to your pre COVID pause form, but now it's just kind of sitting there and you're like, well, to even have a look from the NIT, you had to continue to win. You had to win out after the Hofstra game, you know? You had to be in a really good clip, yeah. So that'll be tough. Um, I hope they win 20 games. They have 13 left, and they would need nine wins to get that. Uh, women's team, I, I really don't have major expectations there. I'm just hoping that next year, how whatever they're in, I hope they're eligible to um, compete and stuff because it seemed like they are going to be in the Sun Belt. Um, some of this seems kind of confusing with how teams are moving over. Maybe that's just football, but I've yet to see clarity. So hopefully we get some soon. Yes. All right. Anything else you want to add? Nope. I think we'll probably preview baseball and softball at some point in the coming um, few weeks. I think they start know. beginning of February, mid -February. Women's basketball team won today, 57 to 56. Yep. They had a large lead. So yeah. <laughs> So that's not good. <laughs> I almost blew it, but Kiki Jefferson had a phenomenal game. 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, one turnover. Kind of funny that uh, UNCW, UNCW scored five points in one quarter, and they still only lost by one. <laughs> but uh, on the bright side, they clipped UNCW, 
and they have uh, they got revenge for the men's basketball team's loss. Yes. All right. For Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Talk to you guys next week here on the Jamie Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.